Hello, everybody, and welcome to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John. I'm joined by Ian. What is up? Not much. Today is August 17th. This is episode 25, and uh, our title to the our title this week is Ian at GP Portland and a conspiracy talk because a Ian was actually at GP Portland, yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about the conspiracy spoilers that have been happening this week. Oh man, it's spoiler season again. It's so, just Christmas over and over again. Yeah, there's like so many spoiler seasons now; it's ridiculous. But I mean, I don't mind it. It's just <laughs> like, oh my god, they're coming so quickly. Well, I mean, the fact that we had June with Elder with um, Eternal Masters, July with Eldritch Moon, and then we have August with Conspiracy, and then at the end of this month, at the beginning of next month, we have the World Championships where Kaladesh is going to start being spoiled. And then it comes out at the end of September. Yeah, and then we'll have a, we'll have nothing until the Commander products come out in November. Barren wasteland of nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, enjoy the summer months while they're here. Yeah, I know. I mean, I. I'm just ready for the next info drop. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be so. so much good, so much fun figuring out because I want to know what PT Nashville is actually gonna be called instead of just me calling it PT Nashville. Oh, psh, whatever. <laughs> you should get a PT right near you. That's that's true. Uh, anyways, let's just go ahead and jump right on in and let's start talking about GP Portland because this is the standard GP right after the Pro Tour, and the Pro Tour seemed to have fixed standard. It was no, you know, big bank company menace or anything. Granted, yeah. there there was uh, the top eight of GP Romini. Yeah, I'm about to say like in Europe though. <laughs> yeah, GP Romini, if you didn't have not heard, had six Bant Company decks in the top eight, and the other two were Blue Red Fevered Burn, as the coverage team was calling it. Yeah, out, out of the top twelve, four were not Bant Company. If you yeah. look at the top like sixteen, it goes to like seven. Yeah, it's it's still a good deck. Yeah. Turns out Bant still good, and uh, the top eight was incredibly well. Not was well, not incredibly diverse at GP Portland. There were three Bant Company decks in the top eight, but um, the winner at the end of the Swiss rounds at thirteen one and one because he drew his last round was uh, Chris Patello with Grixis Cat Pact. Yeah, so this is like the deck that when uh, oh god harmless remember. offering harmless offering yeah the kitty card was first spoiled by loading ready run everyone's like. Oh my god, this is going to work so amazing with Demonic Pack. Now, Harmless Offering is the two and a red sorcery target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. And Demonic Pact is the two black black enchantment that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, choose one that has not been chosen. Demonic Pact deals four damage to target creature or player and you gain four life. Target opponent discards two cards. Draw two cards. You lose the game. So... The, the key is to get two or three of these off and then donate it, which is basically what Harmless Offering is a semi-basic re- functional-ish reprint of the card Donate. You give it to your opponent, you offer it up to your opponent, and then all they have to do is pick, you lose the game. Yep. And in the top eight, uh, Max Mick, I believe it was, um, he was playing and he attempted to Dramoka's Command it away with the trigger on the stack. That doesn't work. The trigger goes on the stack, you lose the game, end of story. Yeah. But uh, so the thing when this was spoiled, everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like a hilarious FNM deck, but it now has a GP top eight to its yeah. name. So And, and Chris Patel is qualified for Pro Tour Kaladesh. Yeah. Um, well, the, granted, Orange is rotating out, but. Yeah, but the, um, the fun thing is, though, with this is 
like the whole weekend, like at least after day one, I was like, "Go, did you hear about that cat deck? It's like there's a cat pack deck out there. I was like, wait, what? The whole the whole hubbub of the floor was like, dude, there's this cat pack deck and it hasn't lost yet. And it was it was insanity. Like just like people like the rumbles were building and building throughout the weekend and hear, hearing about this like demonic pack deck that's just like taking names. Yeah. And the fun part, another thing is nice is it plays like four Oath of Chandra and three Oath of, Oath of Jace, which are basically one-offs because you don't have any Planeswalkers besides Liliana and two of in here. So you're not going to be triggering their second, like at the beginning of each end step, if it entered the Planeswalker in the battlefield, you're not looking to abuse the Planeswalker ETB clause. You're literally just getting their one-time effect and then have it as protection from Tremoka's commands. I mean, when I was running uh, Sphinx's Tutelage, I was putting, I had Oath of Jace's in my deck, A, because it drew cards, and B, it was an enchantment to block Tremoka's commands. So putting the oaths in that deck was a very, very smart move. Um, there are but, also Mardu versions of this list involving Nahiri, because Nahiri can also get rid of your pact if it's getting dangerous. Yeah. Uh, but the big winner was Robert Santana in his first GB top eight with Jund Delirium over Travis Wu, who was on Black White Planeswalker Control. Yeah, and this Jund Delirium deck is in the main board is playing red just for firing. It's basically your your green your green black Delirium decks like you saw at the the, uh, the Pro Tour with you know Nissa Pilgrim's Eye Mindrack Demons Ishkanad Distended Mindbenders and Emrakuls. With the usual like grapple, traverse, vessel, nascency, Liliana's, and removal suites, but it's got the close Lex return that the teamer emerge decks were playing. And it's got fiery impulse, and then it's playing a, a singleton dragon master outcast out of the sideboard. <laughs> yeah, because that card does a lot of work. Which is hilarious, but like if you're going against a dirtily opponent and you're going long, you're just gonna start making five five dragons. Yeah. I think the big thing that with Robert's deck is that he was main decking the Mindbenders, I believe. Yeah. He just did a Mindbender. If you cast it on turn four, like he was able to do a lot, just by, you know, turn three Pilgrim's Eye, turn four Mindbender you, it's just brutal regardless of whatever deck you're playing. Yeah, it's like, let me rip your best card under three mana and best card above four. It's disgusting. Yep. But Anyways. I know there was actually, he didn't have it in his deck, but I was, I'd heard that there was another version of. Like a green, a red black lyrium based deck that was running Dragonlord Colagon in it oh. for the spicy mirror tech. Basically, oh, yeah. your opponent's dumping all your creatures in the board, and Dragonlord Colagon people always forget, like, they're like, oh, it's the one that, you know, dash it out, whatever, no biggie, but it's it or not, it's the other one, but it, it's all your creatures have haste. I think that one is, but yep. the second ability is whenever an opponent casts a creature card that shares, it's a it's Spell. creature or planeswalker. Creature I believe. or planeswalker that spells that shares a name with a card in your graveyard. That opponent loses ten life. So they're basically getting a turn Emrakuld while they have their Dragonlord Colagon out, and they control their opponent's turn. And just, it's like, all right, I'm going to cast this and cast this and hit myself for twenty. Yeah, it's like, oh, you have a Nissa in the graveyard. I'm going to cast your Nissa. Take ten. Yeah, it's, that's some really spicy tech. It's the literal stop hitting yourself. Yeah. Oh, yes. Anyways, Ian, you were in the main event. Yes, I was. So let's go ahead and hear all about it, because you finally decided that you're going to play company. Yeah, I was. I was considering the uh, the blue red thermo thing deck, but what really settled it for me, <laughs> decision wise, is the fact that I needed like twenty or thirty cards. I had them on order from Card Kingdom, and they didn't come because the guy in my mailroom didn't pick mail up on Thursday afternoon when I would have needed him to pick it up. Mm. So I was just like, okay, I literally was missing three cards, which was. My Tamios and a Clash of Wills. So I was just like, all right, I'll just go buy like $20 worth of cards. Or 
it was easier to buy those cards because going into it on Friday when I was down there, every single vendor was sold out of Collected Defiance. Collected Defiance, as a reminder, is the one red-red sorcery with Escalate, where you discard your hand and draw that many cards. You can deal three damage to an opponent, and you can deal four damage to a creature. I bet it was Collected Defiance. Yeah, Collected Defiance. Yes. Yeah. Defiance, yeah, everyone was sold out of that card. Like, everyone. (laughs) There was, like, there was maybe three vendors that had it by the end of the day. And we're talking, like, you know, Fireball is out, Card Kingdom was out, uh... Some of the usual other usual suspects were there, and they like uh, brainstorm games was out. Like they're all out of this card. So everyone's like, "Oh my god, Thermo thing's going to be a huge deck." The highest it placed at Portland was twentieth place. Yeah, well, I, uh, they did a day two breakdown um, on coverage, and I was watching coverage on day two, and they had, and it was only like twelve Thermo thing decks were in the top one hundred decks played, or wow. no, in, in the top one hundred. That's crazy. Um, whereas 35 company decks were in the top 100. I was on a company deck. But my company deck was a little spicier because uh, I actually was on a somewhat quote-unquote testing team this time around. And I say quote-unquote because I did do that stream on Thursday uh, last week, uh, which went pretty well. Uh, but when I got to the Grand Prix, uh, some other fellow Magic the Gathering moderators were there, uh, namely Aberdasher, uh, Basic 3, and J.E.M. Chant who usually mods some, uh, he does a lot of the channel fireball stuff. So I was testing with those guys late at night on Friday, you know, just going through, I basically played the mirror matchup main board, the game one for at least two hours straight mm-hmm. <laughs> that night. So I had a pretty good feeling of like the mirror match going into it, which is abysmal as people who have played the mirror know. But, uh, <laughs> Aberdasher had an, had a little Skype session with Paul Cheon on Thursday evening while I was streaming. So he got Chion's uh, updated list and sideboard ideas. Now, it wasn't a full sideboard guide. It was just his ideas on sideboarding and matchups and what cards were weak in matchups and stuff like that. So the list that Paul Chion settled on was after talking to Martin Yuza and other some of the Europeans because Europeans have a different idea about the company decks than the U.S. people do a little bit um, just off of some of the, the creature things. So we're playing one Jace in the main, three Selfless Spirit, two Nissa Vassalitz here. This is the thing. A lot of the company decks were on 26 lands. I was running a 25 lander. I don't know if that's correct or not based off of how things turned out. And you'll hear in my breakdown uh, kind of how that ended up happening and why I think that's the case. But it did play two Nissa Vassalitz here, which is kind of the concession to that 26th land. So usually what they'll end up doing is they'll play like one Nissa and 26 lands versus 25 lands with two Nissa. But the real spice was in the spell base, which was two Clash of Wills in the main, two Declaration in Stone in the main, two Dromokas Command in the main, and four Collective Company. Yeah. So it, it was playing its suite of 10 spells. Like we broke it down a little while ago. Usually you're playing like for back in Shadows Standard, it was four Collective Company, four Dromokas Command, and you could pick two spells. And it was either like two Ojatized Commands or a Clash of Wills. or I think there were even a few lists that were just like, no spells except for Clegic Company and Dromokas Command. Yeah, and they're going to run like 26 or 27 creatures. Yeah. But the uh, sideboard was JV, another JVP, two Lamphole Pacifist, another Telfa Spirit, Tireless Tracker, Ojatized Command, two Summary Dismissal, two Tameo, two Tragic Arrogance, uh, a Negate, a the other... The, a third Dromoka's Command, so it's just one of in the sideboard, and a Dragonlord Dromoka yep. as a Mirror Breaker tech. Um, the deck felt like Band Company. It played well. Um, 
So getting into, I guess we can kind of move into how I ended up. Um, unfortunately, I didn't make day two. Uh, I went five and four overall. Uh, Next time, off, Ian. Next time. Yeah, I started off four and one. Like the deck was clicking. And then in those last four rounds, I ran into the mirror match three times. <laughs> and that's a rough match to, to run into. Yeah, so I started off, um, I, I dodged it. I only hit it once in the morning in the first five rounds, and I just steamrolled my opponent because he didn't, his, his deck just crapped the bet on him and didn't draw anything well. So I played round one against white red humans. Um, this was, I guess, mostly white splashing right out of the board. Um, I'll, I'll say why in a second for my second round, but my opponent had a couple plays that were perplexing to me. Uh, they stuck a turn one um, town gossip monger both games. That's pretty good for them. And then attacked. That's on weird. It. Uh, yeah, they attacked both times on turn two with it instead of you know playing a two drop, playing a two drop, or playing another you know an inspector or whatever. And then flipping it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't flip him. Ever because like well they flipped it eventually it was like turn four and then I was just like all right reflector mage bounce it back to your hand yeah <laughs> nice try so uh, I beat that guy rather handily he was a nice guy Bruce was a pretty cool guy uh, he got into magic because his son played and he would and he and a bunch of other dads at that game store said they were just sick of dropping their sons off to play so they decided to get into the game themselves <laughs> I think I thought it was pretty cool yeah that's really sweet yeah so round two I went up against white red humans again. Revenge of the Humans, they beat me this time. Uh, I mana screwed a couple things where, you know, that I Bant Company wants to hit six lands. And I'm going to say this now because I don't have to repeat myself throughout the episode. But it wants to hit a critical six lands, namely so that it can potentially play two spells a turn. If it has five lands, yeah, it can play three drop and a two drop. But you want that ability to either go three drop, three drop, or a two drop, four drop of Company being your four drop, of course. So six lands is really where your deck starts clicking at Bant, with Bant Company. Uh, I didn't hit that. In time, uh, I guess it was like turn seven, one game, and then like turn eight or something like that. I just got mana screwed. I didn't end up. I stuck on fifth land. And White Red Humans, if you know, is able to go wide with a lot of cheap creatures. So I was playing like one spell with two or two tiny guys a turn, and they were just spitting three guys out. So no big deal there. Round three, I went up against probably what you know some of the pros were saying is Bant's worst matchup which is blue-black zombies, just because of the insane recur... Like, our removal, like, just doesn't deal with their ability to recur threats from the graveyard. However, my opponent helped me out in that they kept ditching lands to a Crypt Breaker. <laughs> mm. And whenever they were able to, like, get stuff back from the board with, like, a Haunted Dead or whatever like that, I was able to deal with it quickly enough. And so, but game two, my opponent kept making one token a turn. And meanwhile, I'm playing like two threes and three threes, and they're just like playing two two tokens and discarding a lands. So they are discarding a creature card, like the uh, one of the st like the scobs and stuff that can come back. And I'm sitting there like thinking, if you just like played out some of your lands, you could get these big guys back from the graveyard and then start going off like crazy with all these recursions and stuff like that. But Eventually, like, I let him make, like, so many zombies. I made, I think he made, like, five tokens off of his Crypt Breaker before I was just, like, I had Declaration Stone in my hand the entire time. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to see if you make enough zombies that I can just be like, wipe your board out with zombies. But eventually I was just like, you know what? Crypt Breaker, Declaration Stone, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, my opponent basically folded in, like, three turns. I mean, you didn't see the Voldaren Priya, did you? 
No, I don't. And here's the thing. And I think he made a mistake in kind of revealing some information that he probably shouldn't have. So I wasn't expecting to see a Voldaren Pariah in that deck because he had mentioned he didn't like when we were sideboarding. He was like, we were just like, I was like, oh yeah, Zombie's pretty cool. It's a really bad matchup for me. He's like, yeah, I was just I didn't really have a standard deck and I wanted to pick something up cheap. And I was just like, pick something up cheap. You didn't get your Voldaren Pariahs. Almost Voldaren Pariah at now. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he didn't have it. <laughs> I don't think it's that expensive, but I, no, I, know I could be wrong I there. I don't think it is either, but I just I don't think like he picked them up or didn't have that tech or Anyways, something. Or also, I never saw it. Back to round two, you never said why white red humans is splashing red, and I'm assuming oh. it's for needle spires out of the board. Well, yeah, when the my white red humans in the first one looked like they were just playing the red out of the board. Uh, my white red humans in round two was actually playing out of Carol Keep Main. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so they were actually had the red in the main deck for that one. My bad, I forgot about that. But yeah, they were playing Abbott Kill Keep in the main, which was... It is a human. And it helps their land drops and helps them, you know, get out there quicker and stuff like that and build it out. Plus, the prowess is annoying to deal with. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a, I was just a little you know, shocked about that thing, so... Anyways, on to round four. Right, round four, where I hit my very first mirror match of the day. Uh, like I mentioned, I actually rolled this opponent pretty handily, like... Um, I, I now when I I'll take a little side here. Um, I use paper uh, like life total sheets when I'm at any kind of event, um, and I am insistent on making notes of who's on the play, how many like who mulliganed, when they mulliganed to what number. Like I can tell you in round one game uh, two, I mulliganed to five and still beat my opponent mm. against the white red humans deck. I mulliganed to five and beat them still. Um, I mulliganed to, or my opponent mulliganed to six, I mulliganed to five in this band company matchup. I can tell you that I was on the play game one in round four. Um, I just put little notes and stuff on my thing just so I can do one. It helps doing this kind of podcasting recap, but it's also something I like going back over and being like, okay, if I remember certain aspects of certain games or if there was a really big thing I wanted to note, I'll just take that down. So. I can as, see a, how- as another note, if you're ever going to a GP or you know some sort of competitive REL event, you should bring a pen and paper to take your life totals with. Don't use dice. It's just yeah. really easy for those to get knocked off. And I also, actually- whenever your life totals change, I always find it very, very important to verbalize it to your opponent. So, oh, you're tagging me with a 2-2? Okay, no blocks. I take two. And then that gives them the chance to go, you know, actually I'm going to do this pump spell if they're in limited or if they're going to go, yeah, you're just going to take two and then main phase and yada, yada, yada. And make yeah, sure that I- everyone knows what your life totals are. Yeah, usually I'll if if a life total chain exchange happened at the end of a turn, um, before I go to my draw, like in their end step, I'll be like, okay, so I've got you at this. Like I'll be like, okay, I've got you at sixteen. I'm at fourteen. Yeah, I wait for them to confirm. Like, okay, cool, go to my draw step, or go to untap draw. So I, I that's a that's a nice little housekeeping kind of thing. Um, I find the notes help me a little bit. I just like looking over and be like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, my opponent mulliganed into. I guess a really not so amazing five lint hand uh, game two, and I just demolished him. Like it was one of those comp- that like games where you see band company and they're just like, okay, they cast a spell, spell caller. They cast a spell in response, collected company. Okay, it's just one of those where you go, you know, turn one land, tap land, turn two advocate, turn three pass, qu- quell your spell, turn four land go. They cast a spell, you collect a company into queller <laughs> and something else, and that- it's just like I give up. That's essentially how it went. <laughs> like, I'm dead serious. Like, that's basically how it went. Like, life totals were like 18, then 14. So that's, I'm assuming, 
Advocate and maybe Queller, and then I took him down to eight, so that's six damage, and then the game was over after that. <laughs> so I did two damage, four damage, six damage, lethal. Band's co- Band Company's good draws are really good. Yeah, like, that's the thing, like, that kind of thing where my opponent stumbled and I was I dealt two, four, six, they're dead. Yeah. That's just how it goes. And, like, that kind of nut draw, like, my opponent wasn't able to interact with any of my guys. I was ahead of him on board the whole time, and he just couldn't do anything. So, uh, won that game to go to three and one on the day, which was, I was, like, feeling kind of good. Feeling, I was like, all right, cool, cool. Uh, turn, or round five, I played white-black control. Was this, was this almost an exact copy of uh, Lucas Blohan's deck from the Pro Tour? I don't know, but my guess is... Actually, no, it's not. They had Ailee. Oh, Ailee. Interesting. Yeah, they had Ailee, Eternal Pilgrim, in the main board. I actually was tempted to call a judge. Be at one, Well, not for bad reason. Mind you, I'll, I'll head it off. I was about tempted to call a judge because it was, I want to say, Chinese or Japanese? And... Ailee has a lot of text on her. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she's white-black for a 2-3 death touch. You can pay one and sack another creature. You gain life equal to its toughness. And then you can pay one white-black, sack another creature to exile target permanent. But you can only do it if your life total is 10 more than your starting life total. Correct. So I... But yeah, that's a lot of text. I, yeah, I knew she had death touch. That's all I really cared about in this part. Because <laughs> I knew she wasn't going to be playing enough stuff to have the other things matter in terms of sacrificing and gaining life off of because I was just dealing with them so efficiently. And, and by the way, just real quick, I did that all for memory. Just high-five me. Yeah, go you, buddy. Yeah. Go you. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Um, carry on. No, nah, but I banted them right in the face. Like, looking at the life totals from game one, it was I dealt three damage to take him to 17. Then I took him to eight life, and then I won with lethal on board. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I had a company in there somewhere. But Probably. game two was a very was a very big slow burn. Um, like it was like 19, 21, 19, 15, 13, 12, 11, 10, 2. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact in that game they had an Eilie down. And I was able to lock Eilie out of the game by uh, Tamio. Ooh, Tammy. Yep. I t- tapped her down until I was able to flip my Jace. And then, and then I just, just made Eilie an 3 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 3 death ma- touches are not that good. That touch don't matter when you don't deal damage, son. <laughs> yep. And then and then they stuck a Kalidus. Like, they, they were basically facing... I We're going to put this in the show notes, but my end board state, granted, it's a little sloppy because I was just like, yeah, this is me just... I'd swing out for the win here. And he's like, yeah, I'd win. Because like, I didn't actually tick Jace down properly mm. um, and tick up. Because uh, I would have had Tamio at 7... Jace would have died, but Planeswalker Jace would have flashed the Jace flashback of a Declaration Stone to take out his Kalidus, which he played. And then I would have just been able to bash with like seven guys for lethal. Yeah. Unabated on the board. Um, That game, too, was through. I had had to fight through two Grasp of Darknesses and a Languish. That's really hard to do. And I spell colored a Transgress the Mind as well in that game. Yeah. That's pretty good. The the deck was clicking at all. Yeah. The the deck was humming along at on all you know all cylinders at that point. And yeah, so four and, and one, you're feeling pretty good. Four and one, it was weird. Like I had I hadn't. It was as close to like that in the zone feeling as I think I've ever felt playing Magic. Like I knew my like I felt like my play was good, and I felt like my deck was performing well. And I've never really had that sense of like satisfaction i've always been like oh yeah i lucked out here and like i was just like okay 
yeah, my opponents have been stumbling a little bit, but I feel like my play has been solid and my deck has just been clicking. Like as a reminder, everyone, uh, six and three makes day two nowadays. So all Ian needed was two more wins. Two more wins in the last four rounds. So I go into round six. I sit down across my opponent, Mark, who was an older gentleman. Uh, I'd say 60s, grizzled, grizzled guy. But what was cool is that he was wearing a T-shirt from the Card House in Temple, Texas, which happened to be about 30 minutes away from where he was stationed at Fort Hood. I've played at the Card House. I know they send teams of guys uh, to GPs, and I'll see them. One of the guys I was actually stationed with in my last unit, uh, Greg, he actually will sometimes go out to Grand Prix with the card hoarder, the card house team. So I was like, yeah, I know I know Greg. And they're like, oh, shit, you know Greg? I'm like, yeah, I know Greg. He was in my unit. When he was had all his back issues, he was never around working. They're like, oh, yeah, he was out at the store all the time. I'm like, I knew he was. Because <laughs> he had uh, some back issues where, like, he had back surgery done, you know, like you do in the military. So he got he got medically discharged because of the mm. back it was nice to get to chat with somebody who knew the relative area from where I had been for the last six years. So anyway, this is where the wheels started to fall off of the deck. Like I had mentioned, the deck was humming along, was working great. My play felt great. Bant Company, like I mentioned, needs six lands. <laughs> this is where the land problem started for me. And this usually happens to me sometimes on Magic Online. If you if you ever watch me stream, like I'll either flood out epically or I'll just be like, I, I just need a land. Any any land, please worth please. Give me a land. <laughs> so I got stuck on in game one, I got stuck on five lands for five turns in a row. And this was like I just hit my fifth land, I think it was turn six. So I didn't have a, a, a sixth land until like turn twelve. And by that point, my opponent was just, you know. He was on band company as well, like the, your standard band company list. So he was able to, you know, just to start mowing out threats. And when I was able to finally start casting a couple spells, he was able to, you know, either counter or Dramokus Command kill it and, or collect a company to bounce stuff and tempo out with Reflector Mage, which is still an amazing card, by the way. So the next game, I actually got him. I didn't even hit, hit him once because I ended up slow on lands and then I started drawing a lot of lands. And I was good. I sideboarded in Tragic Arrogance. Now, Tragic Arrogance is an amazing card in the mirror. And the, what would have ended up happening is... Uh, so I'll, I'll mention this about the land base that some of the pros have settled on. And why they've settled on is they... And if you read um, LSV's latest article about the Pro Tour, he actually mentions this as to why they were on uh, Fortified Village, which is the reveal land from shadows of you know real forest or plains from your hand and enters the battlefield untapped as opposed to canopy vista which is the etb tap it's the duel you know from battles the battle duel etb tap unless you control two basics uh they felt that the amount of forest and plains this deck runs which is three forests five plains and three prairie streams which also count as a plains mind you because it has that in the title so you're looking at 11 lands that help that enter untapped which is a good portion of your mana including the fortified village that's more than half of your mana base right there which is fine i get the math on however i had a tragic arrogance in hand and only one white source out and i needed an untapped white source and i hit a uh, fortified village and i had two basics out mm. if i had been able to stick that untapped white source that turn i would have been able to board stabilize at six life and potentially take over the game. Because my opponent was down to one card in hand, I had like three in hand still. I had a Dromokus Command in hand. So I would have cast Tragic Arrogance, 
selected his my opponent's uh, Reflector Mage, I would have selected my then 4-5 uh, Sylvan Advocate, and I would have wiped everything else on his board. On his board, he had a Dromoka, he had a Spell Queller holding down one of my Dromokus commands. Dromokus command would have gone on the stack. I would have counterfought my Advocate into their Reflector Mage. I would then have a 5-6 uh, Vigilant Advocate with just, okay, hit you for 5. Pass to my opponent. And they would have been had to do deal with whatever I dealt with next. Because, unfortunately, I didn't have that thing. Uh, I tried playing another spell instead, uh, and it got spell caller again. So yeah. I tried to focus commanding out my Wonder Mocus command, and it didn't work. So at that point, I passed turn to him. He played another creature, was a Reflector Mage, bounced my Sylvan Advocate, swung lethal. So, unfortunately, I got outvalued by the mirror. Uh, but that's where... Tragic Arrogance can be an amazing card, especially in the mirror match, because you pick something other than Spellcrawler, and you also, because that way, even if, because he had the uh, the spirit, Selfless Spirit out too. So, like, he said, yeah, if I had done that, I would just sack my Selfless Spirit so you couldn't target it. But I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. The indestructible of Selfless Spirit does not deal with uh, the sacrifice effect. So yeah, that's a big thing people need to know is that it doesn't matter if your creature's indestructible, I can still make you sacrifice it. Yeah, which says the the target opponent sacrifices everything else except no all other non-land permanents besides the one you have to pick. I mean, the that. trick so, that the opponent was talking about is was more relevant in the Shadows standard where we had the green black aristocrats decks that were running a Nantuko Husk, where no, no, you no, would no. sack down the Nantuko Husk when, with tragic arrogance on the stack, so that they you had to let them keep their tra- their Nantuko Husk. Well, yeah, when his was more of he was gonna he would just if I had cast it he was just gonna sack his selfless spirit anyway. Yeah, so which is I couldn't. So, well, it was going to sell a sack it so I couldn't target it. Yeah. So, anyways, moving a target. So, anyway, um, I ended up losing, went to four and two, uh, mainly off of the fact that I just didn't draw that second white source that I needed to let me board stabilize. Uh, round seven, played against Teamer Emerge. Uh, just, I, I won handily on in game one because my opponent just whiffed constantly on their gather the packs and, um, What's it called? Uh, grapple with the past? Yeah, grapples. Yeah, he kept whiffing. He had, like, all spells. He didn't hit, like, any creatures into his yard. Ouch. Yeah, and he had, like, three Kozilek return in the graveyard. It's so, like, anything would have just been, like, blowout for me at that point. But I lucked out. Luckily killed him quickly enough. Um, games two and three, Elder Deep Fiend is a card. <laughs> Elder Deep Fiend is a, is a big, big card. It's a card. It tempoed me out just enough to uh, make it so I couldn't. Know, come back from that unfortunately i i got my second summary i got my summary dismissal in hand i drew that the turn after he cast his second elder deep fiend in game three that's always that's always brutal so it's like oh, where were you last turn would have blown him out all right but, so after this round four, so and three, four and three need two more wins i need yeah at this point i am i have to go win-win to get in i've used up my leeway at this point so round eight Bant humans. <laughs> so I played Bant. I played Bant humans in the later part of last standard. So I knew how insane the deck can get if left unchecked. And game one, the deck was left unchecked because I don't really have a, that many great ways to deal with it in the main board. Uh, I think he had a at one point it was a six seven reflector mage. Ow! Yeah, he was playing the he was playing the displacer humans variant. Ow. So he was bouncing his uh his Thalia's lieutenant just yeah. that's silly. Game one went thirty three minutes. 
Okay. Because I was playing to my outs. Like, I actually had outs throughout that game until I lost. Like, his board state was huge. But I was able to – I was holding him off just enough that it was like, okay, if I just get, you know, a company here with a good this or I get a Dramokus command and I can fight it into his displacer, I'll be okay. And it, it just didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Or a Declaration Stone would have been the nut there because you have like three Reflector Mages out. I would have been like, all right, fine. Have three clues, but get out yep. of here. It was like a six, you know, six, seven and – a four five and a four five. I would have been like, out of here. So, uh, game two. All right. So game one took thirty three minutes, including sideboarding and shuffling. Game two took seven minutes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I, I just destroyed him. Um, basically, just how band company should go. You, I literally had the answer to everything he was doing. So that felt good. Um, game three, but unfortunately, so game one took 30 some minutes that the next one took seven minutes. That took us down about six, seven minutes left for game three. Uh, we went to turns. I was turn zero. Uh, <laughs> we played super quick and I had, I think by the time turn zero hit, I had 11 lands on the battlefield. Jeez. <laughs> we were just, we were playing hyperspeed magic and my turn four was, I cast Collected Company, Duskwatch Recruit, Recruiter. I recruited with the Duskwatch Recruit. And I cast something else, all trying to dig up one Reflector Mage. I think I looked at seven, six, seven cards on top of my library. Or no, six, that nine, maybe ten cards on top of my library. And not a single Reflector Mage in the bunch. Because my opponent had one creature on board and it was enough to bring him down to three life. If I was able to bounce with the Reflector Mage, I would have been able to deal the final lethal three damage. Mm. Um, so I went to turn five. My opponent, obviously, I was able to, he was able to play another, he played out a creature. But I would have been able to untap and then swing for lethal on turn six. Obviously, there's only turn five. So there's a judge there, and we both were like, yeah, cool, that's five. I guess we're done. And we shook hands, and I was like, yeah, damn, looks like we're both dead to day two now. To my opponent, just like, just mentioned. And he had to look like, wait a minute, dead? I'm like, yeah, like, X3 and 1 is dead to day two. He's like, oh, looks at the judge, and can I scoop? And I looked at him like, wait, what? And he said, yeah, I, he, he had like some conflict, scheduling conflict. Even though he lived in Portland, he was a Portland local, but had some scheduling conflict the next day and couldn't actually make it to the Grand Prix. Uh, for day two and he's like yeah I don't want to screw you over on day two um, I won't be able to make it here today but tomorrow I'm, I'm going to scoop to you so you have a chance he's like you got to promise me one thing you better go in your next game I was like I'll do what I can so um, Ben who was my round eight opponent uh, I don't know you're not listening but uh, big shout out into the aether for you buddy and mad karma your way uh, I do appreciate the scoop um, it was unsolicited scoop I didn't even ask like he just was straight up like he turned to the judge like hey can I actually concede to him to, to scoop get him to win and the judge were like well you want the turns but yeah it doesn't matter like if you can scoop whenever you want he's like oh okay cool yeah scoop yeah remember the only thing the only thing that is faster than instant speed or morphs in the game of magic is concessions <laughs> basically it goes on the stack right uh no it doesn't even use the stack it's like morph it doesn't use the stack at all nice <laughs> so anyway so you went so you get the win you one more win to day two right and then i run into band company again <laughs> it turns out still a good deck it's a good deck. It's a good deck. I mean, I wasn't surprised to be... Per- All right, so to, to recap, in the day, or to kind of uh, an aside, in a Grand Prix, you will most likely hit the better decks 
in rounds five, six, seven, eight. So if you remember, like, round five, I hit white, black, control. Then it was banned company. Then teamer emerged. Like, those are decks that were big at the Pro Tour. Those are the decks to beat right now in this modern format, or in this standard format, not modern. So in this standard meta, I basically ran into the decks that I should be expecting to run into. So I wasn't too upset about that. I got past the white, red humans and zombie jank at the bottom of the day. Unfortunately, this is really where the mana screw hit me hard. I, I'm all the six both games. I was on the play both games as well. So I kept relatively okay six six hand, uh, hands of six. Uh, both had two lands. Uh, both had three two drops. The difference was I think the first game I had a spell queller as the other random card. And in game two, I had a Dragonlord Dramoka mm. as my sixth card so that was so game three game two was the a uh lamhole pacifist that I brought in out of the sideboard because i figured it's just easier to stop than i mean i actually didn't really have a decent way to make it a four four on its own it was just that there to stop their early game um as opposed to a two two uh dust watch recruit whether that's the right move that was just what i felt like i just needed to make sure that i could board stabilize against the Bant Mirror there. Um, so I brought two of those in. So I had one of those in my hand. I had two Sylvan Advocates, two lands. Uh, one was the Reveal Land and one was a, I think it was just a Forest or something like that. So I was able to reveal, like get both my lands untapped on the battlefield to play my two drops, fine. And then I had my Dragon Lord Mocha. So reasonable six or keep. I, in game one, I only had, I had three lands by turn five and i didn't have my fourth land for another six turns mm. by the time i finally lost i had four lands and they had nine and i was on like turn 12 <laughs> yeah bad place I, was able to be. To, I was just able to run out like one one spell at a time same thing happened in game two where i just had i didn't hit land three until turn five in that game and i hit land four the one after that by that time i was able to draw like I had two collected company enhanced. I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe I can luck my way out of this. Cast collected company, spell colored. Fine. Untap, pass a turn. Cast collected company, get spell colored. And I'm like, crap. And at this point, like, I'd had a couple of my cards, like, bounced by Reflector Mage. So, like, those three, two drops were, like, you know, in and out of the battlefield. Nothing was able to get there. Just wasn't able to stabilize. And it was over really quickly. They just overwhelmed me with value and Dramoka was never even close to being cast in that second game. Yeah. Um, I figured it was, it was a fine keep to keep her there because even if I just drew straight lands, that's a turn two advocate, turn three pacifist, turn four advocate, turn five land, go flip, uh, lamb Holt, turn five, or no, turn six, Dragon Lord Dramoka. Yeah, like, because Dramoka being a five-seven lifelink flyer is really good against a deck that's full of you know these three CMC creatures and less that are not that big, and the fact that they cast have to cast all their spells on their turn is also really really nasty. Right, so it basically shuts off Spellcaller, which is insane, especially for stabilization. Like I figured, even if I flood out, she's flood insurance. If I don't flood out, she's a late game that'll help me stabilize. Like that's why I decided to keep that hand with her. Plus, I had the three. Two drops in hand, which was fine. So that was like the one thing is like, should I have kept that six? I feel like that's a good six to keep. I would agree with you there. I mean, 
it it seems like you hit kind of the, the weird middle ground where you weren't flooding, but you weren't drawing what you needed at the right time. Yeah, it was the land just disappeared on me for some reason. Um, but it was all good. Like I, so I ended up five and four. Uh, my opponent last round was really, you know, he was really, he was actually like sad, <laughs> and I, I can't blame him. Like he was sad for me because it's like, yeah, you didn't even get to play a game of that. You didn't really get to play magic, and I'm like, yeah, it, it it's it's a bad feeling when you're like you're playing round nine, winning in for day two, and your opponent just basically can't hit their fifth land. So. Yeah, at the at the end of the day, you want to have good games of Magic. Like on Monday, I was drafting and I was playing against my friend Vinny, and we had uh, a really good game one of Magic. It was such a good good game of limited. And then in game two, he just stuck on three land two lands for too many turns. Yeah, and it wasn't a game, and nobody yeah. likes that. No, yeah. So overall, I felt like my like I I don't know what it is, but I felt like I played really well. I I did actually have this was in a team or emerged game. I forgot to mention it. I did have a game warning. That I picked up because I am an idiot and I did not properly resolve um, my collected company. Now, mm. so online, you know, it, it resolved it for you. So at the time, I had a my fifth card in hand was this, my collected company. I cast it. I put my hand down right next to my lands between like kind of you know where my deck is. I put my hand of four down there because um, my opponent was trying to bounce a spell crawler. So on the stack, I replied to. Like he was trying to cast a Reflector Mage. He was going to target a spell cord, unlock a Dramokas command. Or not Dramokas command, a, a com- dr- collected company of his own. So I collected a company trying to hope to hit a spell crawler. Hit, I think it was Advocate Reflector Mage. Didn't really matter. So basically, collected company is resolved. Like, still there. I took the other four, kind of put it off to the left-hand side of my lands. So my hand of, like, my lands are spread out in front of me, like right on the bottom. I have my hand on the right of the lands, and I have my the collected company four on the, the left hand. I should have picked the two, put them down, then resolve the, the put quote unquote resolve the collected company, putting the four on the bottom, and then reveal the two and then deal with the triggers as they happen. I put the two down, resolved the triggers, resolved the trigger of the spell qu- or the reflector mage hitting the stack, bouncing my spell queller. I'm like, okay, cool, spell queller, put it off to the left. <laughs> Into the four of the collected company that I had yet to put under on the bottom of my library. Yeah. The minute I did that, I said, "Shit, we need to call a judge." I called it on myself to my opponent. We both like, and he's like, "He's like, what happened?" I'm like, "Here's my hand. I just put the spell caller in the um, collected company pile." He's like, "Oh crap!" So we call a judge. Judge comes over. We explain everything. He goes, "Okay." So they ask my opponent, "Do you know anything in his hands?" Like, no. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, John, or not, when this kind of situation as a judge call, but. So what the opponent says, okay, he asked me to reveal the spell caller. So I put the spell caller out in the middle, revealed, because that was the known card in the five-card hand. So I'm like, okay, so what I want you to do, what I want you to do, I want you to reveal both piles of four. And then your opponent gets to pick which four you keep. I don't know if I would have ruled in that in that way. Uh, something that we haven't mentioned before is that I recently passed my L1 test, so I'm an L1 judge now, which is fantastic. Um I would have to ask some other judges to see how they would deal with that, but I feel like that that's a little harsh. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. All right, so my actual hand was a Declaration in Stone, Reflector Mage, a Collected Company, and I believe a Sylvan Advocate. So insane hand because I had like six lands at this point. And the other one was three lands and a Dramokas Command. So yeah, the opponent would let you made you keep the three lands in Dramoka's command. 
But even then, when the lands was a lumbering false, so it was still basically like a semi-creature. Still. Even then, then, my opponent was like, I saw both hands, and I'm like, I lose to the Dramokas command hand, I get annihilated by the other hand. So, and he he, he looked at it as like, yeah, I know which one was your Dramokas command, or your collected company hand, but I'm going to pick it anyway, because the judge said he could pick it. So I was like, doesn't matter, whatever, I, I goofed. So, uh, remember kids, resolve your collected companies properly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so other than that, I got, I felt like I played very well besides that warning. Um, I got hosed by variants in those mirror matches uh, that I lost. Um, other than that, like, I felt like I played well. So, yay, I guess. Um, that said, just going to give a little recap on the day. I do have, I was vlogging this, so the a vlog will go up eventually. I'll let you guys know next episode, I think it is, it, how well I'm progressing on that, because I have 28 gigabytes of video files to sort through and, and edit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've thought about getting into vlogging, and I'm just like, I don't know if I have the temperament for it. 28, I just don't know. 28 gigabytes, dude. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just want to give a big shout-out and a big thanks to Megan from Magic the Amateuring Podcast. Uh, she was there as text coverage. She let me stay with her, so I had a place to stay for the weekend, which was awesome. Uh, Mike Lineman of Vorthos Mike and Snack Time Podcast fam, uh, who is huge in the art thing. I hung out with him all weekend. Great guy. Also, I was feeling bummed out after bombing out of two straight modern events on Sunday, and he hooked me up with an amazing uh, proxy guy, Force of Will. Uh, really cool card. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see the, the pictures of this. Uh, Alex said, Aberdasher Basic 3 GM Chant for the mod testing team. That was cool. Big shout to Paul Cheon for the deck tech, uh, for Band Company, the new t- tweaks to it. Uh, and the coverage team, who I got to hang out with on Friday night and get some drinks with, which was, I think was pretty cool. Um, cause I had to go get my room key from Megan. She's like, just stay for, dr-. I'm like, she's like, yeah, stay for drink. I'm like, you sure? She's like, yeah. So, <laughs> well, and well, Marshall was there too. And he was like, he actually spotted me first. Like, Dex. I'm like, oh, hey, Marshall. <laughs> so hashtag humble Bragos. I know humblest, bra- the humblest of Bragos. <laughs> speaking of Brago, speaking of Bragos, well, he's dead, but conspiracy to Electric Boogaloo. I mean, take, the, take the crown is coming out and oh man. Do we have some spice? Holy snakes. We're, we're probably going to have to cut this short to this week and talk about it more next week. I, don't, I am fine going over a little bit for this because oh, this man. is this is so, so sweet. Conspiracy uh, Spice City. Oh, man. So first off, it's, it's a draft set like Conspiracy, and it has a bunch of the cool things. And we're going to do maybe a little shorter version this week, and then we might do a longer version next week. We'll see. Um, but here are the new mechanics. One of them is called the Monarch. So there are cards that will say that you are the Monarch. That's cool. It's all with Queen Marchesa now being the Queen instead of King instead of Brago. You know, it makes there's, sense. There's a new token. There's a new it. token with a typo um, that they caught too late, apparently. Wait, really? Yeah, there's no of in it. Oh. It says beginning. It says beginning your end or at the beginning of end step. No, it's at at the beginning end step or whatever. Anyways. So basically, it's missing one of those filler. It's missing gaps. an of. Yeah. Uh, oh, basically, man, I gotta get a first print of this one. At the end of your turn, you draw a card if you're the monarch, which is nice. Uh, the only way to lose the monarchy is if someone else plays a card that makes them the monarch. If you lose the game, and then it gets passed to the person to your left, or uh, you deal combat damage to the player who's the monarch. Um, and there, are, and there are creatures and cards that care about the monarchy, and we'll get to a few of them a little bit later. But basically, this is the whole driving force, and I think it's going to be really good because games of multiplayer, I don't know how much commander you guys play. I play quite a bit. And a lot of games in multiplayer tend to stagnate. And Monarch is a big thing because if you're the Monarch, you're drawing an extra card a turn. 
and you don't want your opponents to draw extra cards a turn, so you're going to want to hit them and take the monarchy from them. And then you're the target, and then it gets weird. Um, but it helps drive games and makes games end quicker. Another mechanic that's really sweet is melee, which basically says whenever this creature attacks, it gets plus one, plus one for each opponent you attack. So in a one-on-one -on -one game, it basically just reads, this guy gets plus one, plus one on attacks. But in a three in a three-person pod, you attack both opponents, that creature gets plus two, plus two. In a four-man pod, if you attack your all three other opponents, that melee creature gets plus three, plus three. So as you can and see, this stacks. is... And it stacks. And it stacks, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, next, off of the wild success of Will of the Council, uh, we have Council's Dilemma, which is the exact same mechanic, but instead of only doing, having one thing happen if there's a winning vote or the vote is tied, each vote does something different. So there's... there's if you remember, there was uh, Brago's representative, which, which gives you extra gave, votes. Which actually, in this one, is even like because that Brago's representative was good in original conspiracy to help you force a decision you wanted, yeah, uh, to help break a tie. Uh, this one, you just get another choice of your in your decision. Yeah. Which is also, great. it got a little better because Brago's representative was a uh, two and a white for a one four, and this one, uh, the name is. Let me see if I can find it. It's it the, is a ballot broker. It's a yeah. two and a white for a two three. Yeah. So it got better, depending on your definition. Um, and <laughs> yeah, in this case, it means you get an extra thing. Um, which I don't think it's gonna be really sweet. It makes all the votes matter now. It requires different effects though. Then the yeah. other new mechanic, which is probably one of the ones that that's my favorite, is goad. And it basically says, "Hey, you, you need to attack someone, but you can't attack me if you can't if I'm here, basically." Um, now, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, the goaded creature will have to attack you because, because it has the phrase, if able. Um, but goad is really sweet. For example, there's a card called Besmirch, which is one red red for an act of treason, and you goad the creature. Um, so, not only, so you get it on your turn, and then your opponent has to attack with it on their turn, and it can't attack you, which is really sweet. It's so good, and it's uncommon. And that, and yeah, and, and that creature was uncommon, and there's also... Uh, a common jeering homunculus, which is an O four for one in the blue, that when it enters the battlefield, you may go to creature. Um, it's, it's 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 Phipps, uh, angry, angry cousin. cousin. Yeah. It has Nickel, it has great Nickelford. flavor text of um, Nickelford has always hated crowds and they always hated him. And by the way, that's spelled M K L T H D. Nickelford. Nickelford. Um, all the mechanics re seem really sweet. Um, and then let's go ahead and talk about a few of the reprints that we have seen. A few of the new cards that at least that I wrote down. Um, first one that I want to talk about real quick is Burgeoning, which was spoiled today. It's a green enchantment from all the way in Stronghold, which is now $30, but which is going to go down a bit, uh, which is a one green for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a land, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's a rare and has great new art by Titus Lutner. Um, this card's really good in, limit, in multiplayer magic because you can just drop your whole hand of lands. Oh man, yeah. You 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 have the first turn. You're like burgeoning. Turn one, go. And everyone's just like play land, like land. They play land, land. Yep. Next thing you know, you're on turn two and you're playing a four drop, and you're like, sup, mother. <laughs> yep. Uh, another one is wild pair, which is not super popular, but it's still really good in multiplayer magic. It's four green green for an enchantment at rare from Planar Chaos originally. That says, when a, when a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may search your library for another creature whose total power and toughness is the same as the creature that came into play. But that new art, though. And the new art is also great by Lars Grant West. Um, this art makes a little bit more sense than the Planar Chaos art. Who cares? It's so good. It's so good. Uh, 
A card that did not get new art, Exotic Orchard Spoiled by the Mana Source, is a land from Alara Block. It's a rare uh, that you can add one mana to your mana pool as of any color that a land an opponent controls could produce. So there's Reflecting Pool, which adds mana from your mana pool, and then Exotic Orchard looks at your opponents. Now what's cool about this one is, remember, when you're playing a game of Conspiracy, you draft and you break into two four pods. This basically says tap for any color in in your four-man pod when it first starts out oh yeah essentially because you are like this is um, insane fixing oh yeah uh, because odds are your opponents are going to be all the other colors at some point Mm -hmm. Uh, another great reprint is frexian arena which i think can't be reprinted enough it one black black for an enchantment at rare at the beginning of your upkeep you draw a card and lose a life with uh, great new art by Svetlan Velenov of I mean, Koth fighting the Phyrexians. If we're going to get art on this reprints like this, bring it on. Oh, yeah. Goddamn, that looks amazing. It is great art, and the card's amazing as well. Uh, a surprise to most people, we have a reprint of Burning Wish, one in a red for a sorcery at rare. You may choose a sorcery card you own from outside the game, and competitive magic, that means your sideboard. Reveal that card, put it into your hand, and exile Burning Wish. With that OG art. With the OG art. Also, a quick um, one you didn't put down, but also has the original art, Desertion. Yes, Desertion is also in the set as a rare. Uh, Hallowed Burial is also another one that's 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 relevant. Uh, now, the set has 80 new cards, and the rest all have to be reprints. Um, and the two that surprised me today, and then the other one that kind of surprised people on Monday, was today we, we heard from TCG player that Serum Visions is coming into conspiracy 2 as a uncommon yeah which is great and it's og art it's not the new one it's not yep. the, uh, the fnm promo it's the original art yep and it's there as an uncommon yep so that's i'm gonna so happy because the price gonna... fall a little bit more from it's oh. currently at like five dollars now but the card that really got everybody talking was spoiled on monday by gathering magic inquisition of kozilek it's back what did we? Say, what did I say in episode ten? That you know they want to. They want us to have these cards, and here we have conspiracy two with two of the most requested cards for reprints in the set. So the funny part is though, Vulcan Baga has got the new art in it, and I swear to God, this art just screams it was supposed to be in Zendikar Battle for Zendikar block. I mean, it makes you ask um, how late in the development process it got cut. Because this art is, it could be slush art from BFZ Block, or it could just be art that they commissioned for Conspiracy 2. So it's it's a uh, it's a Zendikari vampire getting Zendikari headbutted vampire. <laughs> by a Zendikari vampire, and this other Zendikari vampire has the Ulamog um, esque bone plate face shield and Kozilek uh, obsidian head floaty things. Yeah. So it's like been doubly controlled by an Eldrazi. Yeah. And it's basically face-bashing the crap out of this other Zendikari fa- yeah. vampire. Now, it is reprinted at rare, um, but the big it's thing a, with Conspiracy uh, sets, in Conspiracy 1 at least, a lot of the rares tanked in value. For example, the most valuable rare in current, um, in original Conspiracy is, oh god, I was looking at it just the other day, I think it's just Reflecting Pool at like $10 or something, or like 5 bucks or something. It crashed the price of that one blue rare. It, it did crash the price of Stifle and a bunch of others yes, as well. Yes, Stifle like, dropped The most expensive like card in Conspiracy dollars. 1 right now is Dak Faden at 20 and that's because he was reprinted in Eternal Masters. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, Stifle dropped from like a $25, $26 card down to $4. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
But remember, those yeah, are remember these are sold at big box stores too. Yeah, so you can find these in your Targets, in your WalMarts, and all that other fun stuff. Now, those are just the reprints that we that we saw that we wanted to talk about because most of the cards we've seen are new cards, um, which is great. Uh, and I already mentioned Queen Marchesa, so let's go ahead and talk about her real quick. Um, I play a little bit more Commander than Ian does. A um, little bit. A little bit, sure. Uh, mainly because uh, one of Commander in my life. Yeah, it's it's one of the more popular formats at my store that people just sit down and play. Like, it's almost impossible at my LGS to not find somebody who's willing to play Commander with. You. Anyways, so legendary creatures get a lot of hype, and the one the first one they showed us was Queen Marchesa. She's a three three human assassin for one red white black. So she's a new Mardu Commander. She well, has people, Death Touch and Haste. People are calling her Mardu Chesa. That that actually yeah that works pretty well. She has Death Touch and Haste. Uh, when she enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch, which you know makes sense. Uh, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you if an opponent is the Monarch, you put a one one black assassin creature token with Death Touch and Haste onto the battlefield. So when she comes into play, you become the Monarch. If someone else is the Monarch, you get an assassin that can attack that turn to get the Monarchy back. Yeah, she's it's beautiful. Like she's a kind of creature, even though she has Death Touch and Haste. Probably you're never going to swing with her unless you put pants on her. Probably not, but I mean, I'm building a commander deck around her right now. Uh, it's Mardu Tokens. I have, to make, I have to make a bunch of cuts. It was I already had the deck at 146 cards, and I need to cut it down even more. So it's at 126 now. So I need, to, I need to make some cuts. Uh, next card we want to talk about that's gotten everyone's attention, was spoiled yesterday, is Recruiter of the Guard. Two and a white for a 1-1 human soldier at rare. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with toughness two or less, reveal it, and put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. So the name alludes to a wildly, wildly Portal 3 Kingdoms card, Imperial Recruiter, which was a two and a red, 1-1 human advisor, that basically said the same thing, but it looked at its power and not its toughness. Big thing is Imperial Recruiter is a staple in Legacy and is like minimum $200 to find. Because it was a Portal 3 Kingdoms card. Because it was a Portal 3 Kingdoms card. And it's really good. It's played in a bunch of decks. And this is a great card that's not Imperial Recruiter, but it's just a different take on it. And it opens up deck building decisions. I... It's already jumped to like twenty plus dollars. I'm gonna wait till it drops, and this is slam going in my uh, Canadian Highlander deck. Uh, SG is pre-ordering this at thirty. Okay, fine, whatever. It's going. It's gonna drop. It's, it's gonna drop eventually. Again, like we mentioned, the price conspiracy tends to tank the prices, and I expect this to be the same because this is not limited print run. They will print this. This is, this is to demand. This is an. This is absolutely a card that will. I will not pre-order because it will drop. I will not pre-order from the set, I mean, because all these cards are going to drop. Yeah. Um, uh, but speak, what's, uh, really right. cool, what's really cool, though, is this card fetches up stuff like True Name Nemesis, even Mind Sensor. Uh, Flicker Wisp. Flicker Wisp. All Flicker Wisp your is hate, the best one. <laughs> all of your hate bears. Yeah. Mono White Hate Bears is looking really good now. Now Legacy. that they don't have to splash red for Imperial Recruiter. Yeah. Granted, Legacy. splashing red also gets the Magus of the Moon, so... Legacy death, legacy death and Taxes got a massive shot in the arm so far from this uh, set. You want to talk about Legacy Death and Taxes? Let's talk about uh, LSV's spoiler today. Sanctum Prelate. Oh. One white white for a 2-2 human cleric at Mythic. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a number, and non-creature spells with converted mana cost equal to the chosen number can't be cast. Hey kids, you like Chalice of the Void? How about on a 2-2 stick? Now actually, this is better than Chalice, because... Um, I know you can't actually cast the card. It doesn't. Yeah. Chalice of the Void counters it. This cast. So, uh, 
opponents on a uh, if they're on young deck- pyromancer this just kills them oh man young pz gets hosed also yeah. you know what gets hosed on this one what you set it to two oh, yeah abrupt, abrupt decay abrupt decay can't get be cast yep abrupt decay is a big bit of an issue for three cmc three or less permanents and this stops it if you name it on two yep does that a bolt though so it does that a bolt aren't you glad this isn't things- in modern so you can't coco into it sir <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me. As a reminder, conspiracy is not legal in modern. It is only legal in legacy and vintage I and other eternal do, I formats. Still, I still have to deal with this in legacy, though, with legacy, in fact. <laughs> what are they going to so name? Do, Six? One. Anyways, moving on. We've got a new Planeswalker, which I was excited about. I had a feeling they were going to put two Planeswalkers in this set after Kaya. And we have Duretti Ingenious Iconoclast. One red-black for a three-loyalty Planeswalker, Duretti. He's a mythic, of course. Uh, plus one, you get a 1-1 one, one colorless construct artifact creature token with defender on the battlefield. Minus one, you may sacrifice an artifact if you do destroy target artifact or creature. Minus six, choose target artifact card in a graveyard or artifact on the battlefield. Put three tokens that are copies of it onto the battlefield. <laughs> so yeah, so people are like, hey, how's that one Bladesteel uh, Colossus doing? Good. How about four? Yeah... Yeah, it's a shame you destroyed my soul ring earlier in this game. Too bad I have three of them now. Oops. Oh no, no I but... have a mere battle seer in my graveyard. Whatever so, will I do? So while Reddit can sometimes be a bit of a, a cesspool, they actually came out with this amazing joke today. Oh, this joke's so good. Alright, well like if it's like his palms are sweaty, plus weak, alt incredi, there's removal on his minus one already, mobs to ready. <laughs> It was so good. So good. I saw I went went like that to me. And I was like, yes. Uh, one thing with Duretti, uh, since he is legal in Legacy, there are people who are thinking about him in a Grixis Tesserator shell. Ooh, which is spicy. 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 I love it. Uh, next, let's talk about another card spoiled today. Uh, this one was by Bruce Richards on the Mothership. Leovold, emissary of Trest. Uh, black, green, blue for a 3-3 legendary creature elf advisor at Mythic. So here's your Sultai Tiny Leader for people who still play Tiny Leader. Uh, each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, you may draw a card. Um, this guy has a lot of things going on, and he's really good. So a 3-3 three, three for 3 that hoses card draw. Yeah. yeah, sure. And then it's got its, you know, the whenever a target, you or a target become... <clears throat> you are permanent you control because the target of a spell opponent controls you get card advantage sign me up I mean this is a guy who can sit there in multiplayer and just kind of not do much until suddenly he's doing everything and there is still talk about him in Legacy finding a place in Shardless Sultai or in Nickfit um, yeah. depending on how good those end up being yeah. uh, next. even so but he's going to be a good commander card oh he's going to be a great commander card um, he's very he's He's gonna be more. He's gonna be more easy to find than Damia, and I think he's a better commander than Damia. You can look up Damia Sage of Stone on your own. Because we're gonna move on to the next legendary, Adriana, Captain of the Guard, three red white for a legendary human knight. She's a four four. She has melee, and other creatures you control have melee, which is when they tell us that multiple instances of melee stack. Oh uh, yeah, we saw this. It's like yes. She beats like a house in a one on one matchup. Baby. In a one-on-one matchup, she attacks as a 5-5, and then if you have a, you know, a multiplayer game like you're off to do in Commander or in Conspiracy, she can get as big as like a 6-6 or a 7-7 attacking. That's rude. (laughs) And then she's giving everybody else, like, if you're in a four-player game and you swing with her and you swing with other guys, 
They're all getting plus three, plus three. Yeah. Yeah. It's silly. Combat math, say what? Now, here's a card that's not going to see a lot of play in Legacy. It's going to be really sweet in Conspiracy Draft, but it's also going to find a place in my cube because it is the Arcane Savant. Three blue blue for a 3-3 human wizard at rare. Now, this is one of the Draft Matters cards, and the Draft Matters cards have a nice sparkly border. Oh my god, the border is so cool. The borders are sweet. I can't wait to see these in foil. Um, Arcane Savant says, Before you shuffle your deck to start the game, you may reveal this card from your deck and exile an instant or sorcery card you drafted that isn't in your deck. So basically, okay. this. So basically, if you're in Conspiracy Draft, this just says, Hate Draft. Hate draft away, my friends. Kind of. But when Arcane Savant enters the battlefield, copy a card you exiled with cards named Arcane Savant. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Oh, yeah. So you want to know why this is going to be insane in cube? Uh, it's cube. Two words. Cruel ultimatum. Sir? <laughs> you're a disgusting human being. You're a terrible, terrible person, and I love it. You want to hear a better one? Go for it. Ghostly Flicker. Oh, God, a free combo? Infinite mana. <laughs> it's you're, hilarious. You're disgusting. I I have I only have the internet to thank for that because they found that. Speaking of draft matters cards, Archdemon Apaliano is a card that I am so excited to draft and just get wrecked by it. It's two in a bl- it's two black black for a rare demon. It's a five four flyer. You draft it face up. As long as Archdemon Apaliano is face up during the draft, you can't look at booster packs and must draft cards at random. After you draft three cards this way, turn the Archdemon face down. So you're getting a 5-4 flyer for four, which isn't a bad value, but at the same time, he could hose your draft. Oh, it's so, so good. What people are saying is like, so if this thing literally goes like last pick or second to last pick, it affects your pack one. Your pack your two, pick, pick one, one, pack two, or pick one, pack three, yeah. Yeah, so you're basically not getting to see the rare out of your next pack, which yeah. is gross. Let's go on to another one. I, Animus. I think I think I think this will probably end up being something like you could maybe pick it first and then just spin the wheel. I think picking like if you pick a pack one, pick one. I think it's gonna be the at its best there because you, then you see what your first three pick, your next three picks are, and you go, I can work with this. Unless you're solidly in black and packs two and three, I don't think you pick this first. Probably not. You pick this maybe in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Uh, next card I want to talk about is Animus of Predation. Four and a green for a 4-4 Avatar at Uncommon. This is another Draft Matters card because you draft and face up. As you draft a card, you may remove it from the draft face up. So this is no longer in your pool. It's not in anybody's deck. Nobody can play it. And if you removed a creature card with flying from the draft with cards named Animus of Predation, the Animus has flying. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Men- Lifelink, Menace, Reach, and Vigilance. Dude just yep. eats people and just gets their abilities. Yep. Going to be a really sweet build around that I'm going to have a lot of fun with. And then lastly, let's talk about the card that has the most buzz about it as far as conspiracies. Because in original conspiracy, we only had up to rare conspiracies. And Take the Crown, we have two mythic conspiracies, one of which was spoiled by Sean Main on day one of spoilers, and that was Sovereign's Realm. Uh, you start the game with this conspiracy face up in the command zone. Uh, your deck can't have basic land cards, and your starting hand size is five. All right. So, okay, keep going. Uh, exile a card from your hand. This turn, you may play basic land cards from outside the game. So you still only get the one land per turn, but you pitch a card, and then you just get to play a land. But basic lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So this apes the, I think, the most bonkers. 
yeah, the most bonkers conspiracy from last set, WorldNet, which was as long as every card in your card pool started the game in your library or in the command zone, lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Yeah. As somebody who has drafted a WorldNet deck... I've done it too. I am I am infinitely more excited to draft Sovereign Zone. Well, remember... I drafted WorldNet in that in a four draft, in a, yeah, the four in pack a four draft. Pack. That was a, that was brutal. In a four pack draft, that was that was a deck. Like I was literally playing Singleton Commander at that point. Yeah, that was a deck. My deck was like a hundred cards, and I literally just like went up to the land station. I'm like, all right, I need 30, 40 lands. Let's just, yep. just grab thirty lands and put it in my deck. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, this card is really sweet. I don't know how good it is. Uh, one note from. The uh, from the rules manager, uh, if you can't field a legal deck, meaning minimum 40 cards, you can't run it. So you need to make sure you have 40 cards in your deck that you can play that are not conspiracies that don't start in the command zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the people have done the math. It says it forces you to play all the cards you draft except four, potentially fewer if you draft additional conspiracies. Yeah. So you're potentially going to get some crummy cards. Which you are ideally pitching for lands. Yes. Also, in multiplayer, your first, first mulligan's free, but after that, you're going to mulligan down to four, down, then three, two, one, and you don't scry until you go below your starting hand size. So with Sovereign's Realm, you don't get to scry one at your hand of five, but you do get to scry one at your hand of four. You better pray you have, like, a Serum Visions or two in your deck. <laughs> or, or something good. Just, like, help hope you can, you know, get all these crappy cards out of your hand and do what you can. Uh, other big innovations from conspiracies that we have conspiracies with color identity that key off of you paying a mana of a certain color in order to get an effect. Uh, and then we also have a double agenda, which names two creatures instead of one as the normal hidden agendas did from original conspiracy. But that basically does it for the spoilers that we have time to talk about. We're sorry this episode went a little over time, but I think that you get, you'll forgive us. Yeah, they'll, Hopefully. They'll, they'll get over it, I guess. Hopefully. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys were excited about that, and I hope you guys enjoyed Ian's uh, tournament breakdown from GP Portland. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a. Um, I also forgot to give a shout out to Cascade Games, who ran a really, really well-run event. Cascade Games runs good GPs. Yes, they um, do. Oh, anyway. with the exception, with the exception of the fact that like I goofed on not getting my actual playmat and deck box and sleeves until like later in the set and later in Sunday. Uh, so they were, they ran out <laughs> of, of the uh, campaign of vengeance ones. Uh, so what they did is they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, all those, you, you pick one of the playmats that's on the wall over there. Nice. And then they gave me like a generic 50 pack of ultra pro sleeves and a generic hundred uh, card ultra pro box. I, I picked, I picked, however, the, uh, a Johnny mentor of heroes playmat from, GP Portland 2014. Nice. Which I think is infinitely better playmat than uh, Campaign of Vengeance. Johnny Mentor of Heroes is some really good art. Yep, and now I have a playmat with it on it. That's from a GP Portland. Hey. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Um, conspiracy spoilers are going to be sweet. I hope you guys keep listening to them um, or keep looking out for them. Um, I'm going to be doing a GPT trial, judging it this weekend, so that's going to be fun on my end. Um, Judge. But Yes. Judge. Yes. Yes. I'm here. Anyways, uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Ian, where can people find you? You guys can find me, like I mentioned, on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D I X O N I J. And you can also find me on Twitch streaming. Uh, the Barracks move is still going on. It's kind of crazy. Don't know exactly what I was streaming this week. 
So stay tuned on Twitter. Eh? Eh? Yeah. To follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks. Um, I, I did buy No Man's Sky. So PS4 like, or PC? PC. Mm. That modding value, though. Mm. Anyways. Yeah. Where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. Uh, you can also find me on Twitch by that same handle. Uh, remember to follow the podcast on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have any more personal questions, send us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Before we close, real quick shout-out. We have a logo now. Thanks to my friend Liz. Thank you so much, Liz, for the for the new logo. I think it's pretty good. Hopefully... It's, it's, it's a... It was a weird concept you asked her to pull off, and she It was really off. weird, yeah. She did a really good job with it. Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next time.